Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Gopdap. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Boldly go where no man has gone before. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. Back on the big show for the first time since June of 2021, the giggle heard round the world. <laughs> it's Cat Davis! Yay! Yay! Cat Davis, hey! Hi! <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the anniversary episode. I know, yeah. Happy this, anniversary. Happy, happy anniversary, anniversary to you as well <laughs> and to all of us. It's good that you have your wife on the anniversary episode. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to have somebody else, you know, do this. Uh, Gary Horn, maybe? Well, because he was the very first guest. So. That's true. He was He was one of two people I talked to initially about hosting, about co-hosting with me. Yeah. Uh, He's a little show. busy. He's a little busy with the yeah. National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, we had one other um, uh, former guest on the show, uh, Mr. Andy Cummins, was also a potential guest or a potential co-host who yeah. was going to be on the show with us. But, uh, you know, things are what they are. And I love what you've done with all the guest stars that you've had or guest hosts, I guess, is what you what you call them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a rotating panel. Yeah. Of family and friends. You hear and- from all different kinds of people. And yes. You've, you've reached out to different podcasts now and you've even had... Uh, guest stars from from Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, it's been and a big year. Yeah, it has been a big year, and this this has been uh really fun for. It's been really fun for me. I think you've enjoyed listening to the few episodes you've listened oh, yeah. to. Oh yeah, <laughs> I haven't. No, I've listened to quite a few of them. Have you? Most of them. Oh, okay, so I'm a little behind. It's uh, but I did listen to the fantasy football one. So what did so. you what did you think of? Oh my gosh, you guys are so mean. <laughs> Well, let me let me just say it because you were uh, you were up to be one of the people on the first on the first one, and then uh, a friend of ours uh, got sick, and her husband, right, good friend of the show, Justin Bishop, right, <laughs> was like, oh yeah, I was gonna he was gonna come on as well, and then he's like, oh no, I can't come on, I gotta you know, play yeah, there's a lot of lot of back and forth, yeah, I gotta play nurse for Bunny, his yeah. wife Bunny. And you were like, you know what? I'll trade you so I don't have to go on this <laughs> stupid game and play this stupid game on this show with these boys. <laughs> you needed a female in that room, though. Oh, we really, yeah, really did. We you really did. did. I, I, I hope you needed to wrangle, wrangle those boys. I think so. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to try a little bit harder to get a little bit more diversity in that next uh in that next batch yes. but i mean yeah. d- what did you think what were your initial thoughts other than us being mean to each other <laughs> i thought it was a lot of fun yeah so, yeah i thought i thought it went off really well i thought i thought it was really funny that they were giving you so much feedback or or quote unquote <laughs> you know <laughs> that uh about the game itself and and not having science officer or not having this and that yes you know oh, you gosh. knew you were gonna get that though of course so, like everyone's gonna have an opinion on how to play a game like that yeah especially and you know, as you're putting it together for exactly the first time. yeah it was an experiment mm-hmm. and i think uh i think for a first run i mm-hmm. think it was a lot first of all i think we had a lot of fun yeah and b i think the way i set it up it worked out nicely. It wasn't too like, I mean, cause you've been a part of actual fantasy football right. drafts, right. which go on for hours yes. and hours and yes, hours yes, yes. with multiple people. Yeah. Um, those can just, even no matter how psyched you are about fantasy, you know, fantasy sports, those can drag on and 
they can take all the fun out of it because well, you end up getting frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I kind of liked hearing everyone's like opinion on why you know they chose who they chose, especially for the position that they chose them for. So yeah. that's something you really don't get in fantasy. You're just kind of like, okay, next person, next person, next person. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know who that player is. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was something I wanted to ask you since you just listened to the episode. Yeah. Um, when you heard, uh, when you heard someone chosen Mm -hmm. for a particular crew that you weren't familiar with did you feel did you feel any sort of drive to be like i want to know who that is and why they're going up against somebody else yeah i think so because i mean if if you chose them to be your you know captain say i i think i understood most of the captains but or I, i recognized the captains um i can't remember who exactly i didn't recognize but um if I didn't recognize them, then yeah, I'd want to know why did you why did you pick them and let's go let's go find out. There was a lot of Deep Space Nine, and I'm not I don't think I'm like yeah I'm not super excited about Deep Space Nine. I don't know why. Um, it's very different from yeah, the other shows. Yeah, um, but yeah. I you know I'm excited for Gary to actually like watch some of the cartoon versions that you guys talked about because I <laughs> love Lower Decks. Love yeah, Lower Decks. It's yeah. so much fun. Lower Decks is great. Um, and for JP to listen to or to watch uh, Discovery because Discovery is really good. Yeah. So I can't wait to talk about Discovery with you. Yeah. So. I, I think uh, Discovery is going to be a lot of fun to discuss and it is going to be f- fun to discuss it with those guys yeah. who who have not experienced it yet. Yeah. Um, but funny enough, you love the animated stuff, but you're not a fan of Prodigy. I don't know why I can't get into it. What's, I, what's, I don't know. What's the uh, what's the roadblock? What, what's I really, holding me up? I really don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just not, it's just not grabbing me. Is it so. the is it the idea of it if it it's kids or is it the digital animation or it might be the digital part. Does that not grab you like yeah. regular uh ink and paint? Yeah. 2D cell animation. It's and it's also like I don't know, I I kind of want and maybe I just haven't watched it close enough with you, but um I don't know, I like cartoons to be funny and okay. a lot of and a lot of fun and it's still like that. It it is very Star Trek. It is very much a Star Trek adventure. It's just Prodigy. Right. Right. It yeah. it's just um I like Lower Decks cuz it's just so silly. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Which it is fits the medium better for me. Right, right. And it's funny because it's funny because you're not as familiar with Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but there's so many Easter eggs. There's so many Easter eggs in Lower Decks, but it's still a very accessible show. Yeah, like, you don't have to watch those other things to yeah, have that background. Yeah, so. and they're packing in so much story and character development. And this is something that we've discussed uh, on the show with uh, with other guests, but they're packing in so much character development plot and story Mm -hmm. into 22 minutes as opposed to 44 to 46 like like the normal episodes it's really it's really impressive what they're doing with lower decks uh and you know prodigy you know prodigy is in its uh is is in its infancy it's you know it's it's just getting off the ground and it you know every star trek show has had you know uh has had trouble getting out of the starting block and uh yeah yeah all of them yeah. all of them have so i think once this really finds uh its audience and once it hits its stride which i feel like it's it's getting there because um, it is meant to find a younger generation and and have them fall in love with star trek yeah because with this unlike every other version of star trek um, it is starting with these kids, mm-hmm. teenagers, um, who do not know, they do not know the Federation. They don't, yeah. they don't know Starfleet. Yeah. They have no idea about any of this stuff, which gives ideally kids who are discovering Star Trek for the first time. It, the same. It, yeah. It lets them identify with those characters and learn about Star Trek and Starfleet and, you know, the world, that world, um, where, uh, you know, things are, you know, at least on Earth, a utopian future. And, right. You know, there's no more war or disease or right. poverty or anything like yep. that. <laughs> uh, and hopefully inspire them, you yeah. know, for that next generation. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is this is this has been the first time that you've been on the show in like six months. I know. And uh, this has been the first episode you've watched in quite a while. 
Uh, it's been a while, but I don't think I'm that far behind. Yeah, I don't think so either. But this I was... think I I think it was like mid to late season two that somehow I got out of sync with you. Yeah, I think so. I think you went to bed one night and I stayed up to watch two or three. Like more. a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I binged a bunch of them. Um. So this is so the so I this is the first time I heard the new theme song. I was gonna say. <laughs> Ne- or I would like the remixed well, theme song, I guess. What I will, what I will recall, <laughs> what I will call, um, renewed faith of the heart. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. What did you think of the remix? They did not understand the issue. <laughs> they did not understand the issue, and and yeah. I know we haven't gotten into the episode quite yet, but like thinking about how this episode feels, uh huh, and and if they keep this kind of tone in this next season yeah season three of i mean it's he's got revenge on the mind he's got you know determination he's he's out you know to get these people yeah it's just like this is a little darker than the first like couple seasons where it's more explorative and and they're just they're just trying to figure this stuff out so yep um you made it like snappy poppy yeah more lighthearted and and this like guitar riff and and like what? Like you saw my face when I when I'm like when it first came on and I'm like, I'm sorry. What I have a problem. I like I I'm not okay with this. <laughs> it makes me think of it makes me think of Tom Hanks's character, the record executive in that thing you do. Telling the guys like, hey, you're gonna do what we tell you. I want something poppy, something snappy, yeah. you know? Yep. It makes you know, it feels like some executive was just kind of like, hey, look, we got to balance this out. It's getting darker. We need the theme song to be poppier that and like make happier. doesn't any sense to me. Yeah, that does not make <laughs> sense at all. <laughs> like, if you're going to make it, if you're going to make the theme song reflect the individual tone, then the theme has to be different for every episode. Right, right. And because again, it takes you out. Like you do the cold yeah. open and then you go into this campy song and you come back and it's just like y- your, you know, your brain is like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, because of the different tone of the show, you know, they, if they were trying to find balance or if they were trying to, I, 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 really, I would really love to, well, I think, over the first two seasons, I think they got enough negative feedback that they were like, oh, we got to change it. Uh, yeah, you just didn't get it. Yeah. You, you didn't it was just understand like, oh, why they got not, You're not listening. Yeah. You're clearly not hearing what we're saying here. And didn't, and didn't I tell you when we were talking or when we were watching that it was further into the 2000s and it feels more and more like they're going like – early 90s like back yeah it's like what are you doing <laughs> it's like that scene in uh family guy i just like used to be that you love to me but now it's 1990 and i have to sit are you free the letter A, the A, the A, the letter A, 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 A. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I feel like they, and this was also with this season, we see that the title has changed from Enterprise to now it's Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, we officially get the. Yeah, now Star it's Trek. officially Star Trek Enterprise, which was kind of like. Is anybody watching this consistently questioning whether it's part of the Star Trek franchise? No, definitely not. <laughs> um, but what happened in between the two seasons? Was it like the Federation started or? I think it was getting towards, um, you know, after the incident with the Borg, which Archer had to make some heavy decisions there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had to he had to he had to jettison a few people out of the airlock. Um, in that episode and, um, you know, that was pretty dark and, you know, once, and they pretty quickly determined that it was, uh, trying to rescue their captured people was a lost cause. And he was like, all right, fire torpedoes. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) So he really takes a turn there. And shortly after that is when the Zindi attack earth and, you know, um, and that's kind of, that's kind of where we 
end up here right. at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Um, it is noticeably darker. Archer has definitely taken on a more grim facade and a more uh, direct, uh, hands-on, angrier approach. Oh, yeah. To being captain. Yeah. Archer's mad. Yeah. Archer. <laughs> yeah. Archer's <laughs> mad. Um, how did you feel about this? Like, you know, without getting in, without getting too spoilery, like, how did you feel about just Archer in that cold open type thing and seeing him? This is kind of a new Archer. Yeah, it definitely is. What'd you think about it? Um, You know, I'm, it's hard for me to get on board with revenge stories. Um, really? But I know that they make for great TV. Yeah. Um, you know, if you ignore, if he, they blew up Earth or they, they took out, you know, a big chunk of Earth and it's like, you can't not, you know, seek revenge. That's what we do, right? Especially, you know, the United States. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although, who's going to miss Florida, really? Come on. <laughs> so, um. We can say that because we live there. Yes. <laughs> yes. A life, the, the a dark, life, the dark times. Yes, a life gone by. <laughs> um, you know, but it's like it, it's hard because I think he's he's blinded by the revenge. Mm-hmm. He's not paying enough attention to other things that are going on or the the um, the danger he's putting the crew in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just seeking the Zindi, you right. know, at, at at all cost. Yeah, and. That that gets scary. Like I would not want to be. I would not want to be on the crew at that point. Yeah. Because I wouldn't trust my captain to do what's right for the moment. Because he's thinking so much about. Yeah. He's he's just got a one track mind. Yeah. And emotions are emotions are definitely running yeah. on in this episode. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPA Wednesday. Enterprise captures an alien intruder who may hold the secret to Earth's destruction. Tell me what you know. And how they get it will take your breath away. The airlock's decompressing, sir. She'll die. Every 20 seconds he won't. Star Trek Enterprise. As Enterprise continues to travel through the Delphic Expanse, the ship is damaged by destructive spatial anomalies. And so on. With most of the primary systems offline, Travis notices another ship nearby, but no life signs are detected. Archer leads Reed and several Makos on an away mission. Uh-oh! Better get Mako! And discover the crew are all dead. They grab some goodies and bounce. Soon another vessel approaches Enterprise, and a group of aliens beam aboard, stealing weapons, food, and equipment. The crew finally prevails, and one of the aliens, an Osarian named Orgoth, is captured. Archer hopes to recover the stolen items, but the Osarians have masked their ion trail. He then confronts Orgoth in the brig. He explains that they were traders attempting to find new trade routes, but after being hit by the spatial anomalies, and so on, they were unable to leave and resorted to a less than reputable means of survival. Pirate. Enterprise tracks the Osarian vessel, finding a large, thousand-year-old sphere constructed out of a single alloy. Holy rusted metal, Batman! The away team discover a series of habitat modules containing most of the stolen items. The crew also finds a cargo manifest, and Hoshi soon learns that they had also recently attacked a Zindi ship. Archer once again confronts Orgoth, demanding to know everything about the Zindi. What do you mean, everything? To make him tell Archer where the Zindi's secret place inside is, he drags the Osarian to an airlock, initiating the decompression cycle. Orgoth reveals that they downloaded the Zindi database and provides the access codes to their computer. When the alien ship returns, Travis maneuvers Enterprise close enough for Hoshi to download 90% of the database. Archer sends Orgoth back to his people. So as we mentioned, like right off the bat, we see Archer is mad. <laughs> He's mad <laughs> Archer about. Archer is mad. Yeah, Archer's mad. <laughs> He's, uh, you know. Acting on emotion and, um, you know, he's he's out for revenge, you know, not only for the damage that's been done to Earth, 
but his close friend Trip lost his sister in that. And that's really tough, too. Um, But Trip doesn't even seem to be as... I would expect Trip to be so much more revengeful. Not in this episode, but in the episode that it happened and the very next episode, which is the last two before yeah. before this one. Um, he is. He's qu- he's quite vengeful, yeah. quite quite spiteful and doesn't doesn't care about who they hurt, you know, in trying to get uh trying to get to their end goal of uh, you know, making the Zindi pay. And it's 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 hard it's hard to watch. I mean, I mean, we've we've given uh, Connor Trenier uh, a fair amount of grief for his portrayal of uh, Charles Tucker III, but honestly, like looking at what he's going through, you know, uh, them being on a essentially a diplomatic yeah. mission, you're they're there for exploration. It's only recently that they've gotten the soldiers on their ship, the Makos. Right. So, uh, you know, up until then, they were just exploring, just cruising around, talking to people, asking questions and just learning. Yeah. That's all they're there to do. Yeah. And then here some alien species comes and just cuts a huge hole in the planet, kills millions of people for what is a perceived slight in a possible version of the future. Like, yeah, he's he's really upset about that. So is Archer. Yeah. You know, Archer, you know, feeling, you know, Trip's pain because they're such close friends. So when So is Trip dealing with it by what he's doing with T'Pol? Pretty much. Yeah. And that's it's one of those things uh, you know, they they are coming under attack pretty regularly. Yeah. And so Trip is in a constant state of anger over the death of his sister. And exhaustion from having to constantly not only maintain the engine, right. but uh, initiate and effectively uh, repair the ship, like constantly. And this is after this is after Enterprise got recalled to Earth and upgraded. Mm-hmm. So this is with the upgrades, like upgraded shields, upgraded weapons, and he's having to perform more repairs now because they just they're getting attacked more regularly well and now we're in this expanse Uh that seems to have all these crazy things happen with with different ships yeah if you don't have if you don't know what to do with your ship it sounds like you know the Osarians saying that i forgot exactly how he wrote it how he said it but these particular um spatial anomalies no the things that he was saying that the ship needed Oh, uh, different, um, it, different alloys for the shielding and different, yeah. uh, you know, different types of uh, fuel for the engines and for yeah. the weapons and all that stuff. Yeah. Otherwise, it sounds like you're basically going to die because the expanse is going to suck out. I don't know if it's life support or whatever it's going to do, but, you know, the ships aren't, must be equipped appropriately to be able to handle this particular yeah. location in space that they're in. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're encountering things that, and I think they actually allude to this, um, that are essentially defying the laws of physics. Right. So he's having to rewrite physics. Yeah. He's literally having to rewrite <laughs> the book on physics and they actually make a reference to Zephram Cochran about, well, let's see. It only took Zephram Cochran how many decades? Like, can, yeah. I, can I do it before the ship explodes? Exactly. <laughs> I was, I, you know, I think that's the one part of this is like, it, it's a little far-fetched. It's a little unbelievable that they're that quick in tr- figuring out how to do all this stuff. Now, I guess it was good that they came across this particular, um, I don't know, space dock thing where they, storage container. Yeah, where the they sphere, found <laughs> this weird sphere. Where they found all their, all their stuff as well as other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that, I don't know that they actually go into the origin of it other than the Osarians are just using it as a base. Right. But it's clear that, I mean, it doesn't look like they built it. It looks no, like No, because it was like a thousand built. years old, right? Right, right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting because, um, you know, it, we, we, aside from the plot, if you're looking at the bigger picture here, you're actually left with more questions with this episode yeah. than when we started. Um, so we see that these folks, uh, the Osarians, um, are actually, they were basically on a similar mission. They were, they were just, yeah. they were traders yeah. and they were just looking for new trade routes and they got stuck here and resorted to piracy. Because they couldn't figure out how to get out they and get out. Yeah. they needed to survive. So yeah, 
Have you ever? I, I loved his last line at the end. Was like, "Mercy is not going to help you in the expanse, or yeah. however exactly he re- not going to serve you." I think he said. Yeah, yeah. I in the expanse, and and again, that kind of speaks to where Archer's head is right now. You yeah. know, and now he let him go in the end, mm-hmm. but it was like, it, you know, he's out for he's out for blood. Yeah, but not not Asarian blood. <laughs> right, right. Well, before before we get there, what do you think? What do you think it's like to be uh, to to be in a position where you have to become a pirate to survive? Mm. What do you think that's like? What do you think? You know, how would you survive? What do you think uh, your position on a on a ship would be? Oh, I don't know. I'd probably be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me think to it makes me think back to one of our earliest trips together to Savannah, Georgia. Okay, where uh, you know, for anyone who hasn't been to Savannah, Georgia, it's uh, you know, it might not be top on your vacation destination list but it really is a cool town yeah it's amazing (laughs) uh but one of the big things there is all the uh is all the pirate history and part of the uh setup the uh you know the sort of lay of the land of how the how the city sits on the water um in relation to uh the island that's just off the coast and everything long and short of it is there were a lot of uh pubs uh, you know, lining the seaside street there. And in short, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I won't go into a lot of detail just because I'm sure I'd get the details wrong. But the long and short of it is that uh, these uh, ships would come into port. They would go to a, uh, they would go to a local pub. And if they were short a few crew members, they would start, you know, they would find the young men in the pub and they'd start pumping them full of drinks. And, you know, once the young man would essentially black out, they would, you know, they'd tell the bartender, oh, he's with us. We'll take care of him. And they would carry him on the ship. And once they were on the ship. Basically kidnapped you. Yeah, they basically kidnapped you. And once the, you know, ship left port uh, and the guy would eventually come to his senses, the offer was, well, you can either serve here on the ship or you can swim back to shore. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people might think, oh, you know what? I might be able to, you know, survive that swim. It's the coast of, you know, it's the coast of Georgia. It's, you know, it's not necessarily shark infested waters. True. (laughs) However, on the island just off the coast of Savannah was the prison. Right. And what they would do was they would scan the water for anything or anyone in the water and anything or anyone that they saw, they assumed was a prisoner trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And so they wouldn't go out and rescue them. This was long, long time ago. So they would just aim their cannons and start firing. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't an issue of, oh, you might drown. It's you might get shot and then drown. <laughs> right. But yeah, that was that was kind of their thing. So you either served as a pirate or you take your chances for the swim and do- I mean, I guess dodging of cannonballs back right. to the back shore. I guess shore. you don't have much of a choice at that point. Yeah, so yeah. If you want to live, you keep you do what you're told. Yeah, it seems so. like it seems like piracy is almost born out of necessity. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the sad part is is most crime is. So you yeah, get to a it can point be. Of, yeah, you're either crazy and you just love to watch the world burn. Right. Good good Batman reference, but (laughs) um or you're you're desperate. You're you know, lack of resources. So you're out, you know, thieving or, you know, trying to get what you need. Right. You know, either, you know, slights from the government, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, them sending, you know, certain ships. Again, I'm speaking more of uh, Back the in the day, nineteenth century, <laughs> uh, you know, stealing uh, stealing goods and transporting them, so the people would you know cobble together enough to get their own ship and cannons and yeah. essentially steal back the goods, uh, or you know, or other things along those lines. But uh, you know, piracy. It's funny when people hear pirates, they always think of they always think of ships on the water. Yeah, but piracy can be um for trains and for oh, yeah. for uh you know for for rail cars for uh 18 wheelers mm. and here now in the uh in the 21st century uh digital piracy yeah now digital piracy 
is almost solely based out of, it seems like, um, rebellion, mm-hmm. rebellion against a corrupt system, or at least that, you know, a perceived to be corrupt system, uh, or some part of a social injustice, uh, you know, an effort to correct a social injustice of some sort. But it's interesting to look over the decades at the different brands of piracy and to see how those things came about and how those things survived or evolved into their next form, uh, leading us here to the digital age. But uh, Well, and going back to the episode itself, I mean, Hoshi's even kind of, I saw her as kind of like a hacker, you know? Yeah. She was trying to download this database, mm-hmm. again, you know, specifically for... Um, Understanding the the Zendi, yeah, you know. Um, Do you think Hoshi is part of Anonymous? Anonymous, yeah, the hacker group. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see her part of Anonymous. That would be pretty cool, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost feel like this. You kind of learn, and I was kind of surprised to see how easy it was for her. Now I know it took a while, which is the hard part because they were, you know, trying to run away or not not destroy the ship yet, right? Um. You know, so they had to evasive maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I found it that it was interesting how easy it was for her to get tapped into it. It mm. was like there's no firewall, there's no, you know, way of protection, um, right? To just go into their system. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, essentially, the Osarians. At the, you know, yeah, while they are, you know, pirates, they still are flying a trade ship right so they are they don't have military grade uh digital computer protection Mm, or anything like that not that enterprise does but enterprise kind of went into the delphic expanse as prepared as they could be given um you know earth's technology of the day and you know at this point uh the military military support mm-hmm. in that it is now gone beyond a diplomatic and scientific research miss- mission. So along with these uh, Osarians that, uh, that they encounter, we actually capture one. Right. And uh, Archer kind of gives him, Hey, look, you know, you killed one of my guys. Yeah. How, how are we, how are we going to make up for this? And he's not interested. And then when Archer comes back, He's even he's even more he's even more uh, bent on getting the information that he needs from this guy from this Osarian this traitor this pirate right um, and we see him take some pretty drastic measures yeah. uh, tossing this guy into the airlock and then de- depressurizing yeah. it yeah Reed um, comes up behind him is like a uh, cap yeah uh, yeah the uh, the the, cap, the, cap. the chief of security <laughs> slash Tactical officers going, uh, hey, should we maybe not do that? <laughs> which is which is something, you know, it would have been I think it would have been interesting if Reed and Trip had shown up together. Yeah. Because Trip in the, you know, volatile state that he's in right now might have a difference of opinion. I guess I just because yeah, I didn't see that Trip was maybe he's just so tired. Yeah. Um, and like you said, his his focus was on this physics experiment yeah um but it was like i just didn't see that he had that same kind of reaction yeah um or that you know that focus of revenge and it makes me it just kind of makes me wonder like what point does the crew say cap you're you're not in the right mindset you know you need to step down yeah I, you know it's not because and they don't really have that yet do they in in this tight in this time timeline or chronological of of star trek and and the federation and everything they do but it's certainly not as rigid a structure as it is in later iterations of star trek okay um is the first officer but um she is vulcan and not a member of starfleet right she's first officer on the ship but she's not in starfleet yeah um flocks who the ship's doctor the ship's doctor has the command authority to relieve the captain of duty however flocks is not a member of starfleet either oh really yeah he's he's not he's not an officer he's part of the denobulan science exchange 
so that's why he yeah that's why he's serving on board um and it's not until you know it's not until uh later iterations where um you know starfleet medical personnel are ranked officers and they you know establish more rigid rules uh obviously from the things that happened on enterprise Mm. yes (laughs) uh uh you know, establishing rules of like, you know what, let's set it up like the old United States Navy or the old United States military and becomes more of a rigid structure. So it leaves less things to question. Mm. Not not so much to make it more military, although after this incident here on Enterprise, we see that later iterations of Star Trek crews are definitely more, ha- have a more... um centered focus while it is still centered on um science and exploration there is a heavy heavy element of military military training and tactics yeah um with weapons with uh evasive uh flying maneuvers and things of that sort um survival techniques survival techniques was you know those were implemented with the nxo1 crew to begin with but it was more leaning towards it was still very much experimental flight training. So it was kind of like, all right, if you crash land in the desert, how do you survive? Mm. If you crash land in the jungle, how do you survive? If you crash land in the Arctic, how do you survive? It's a lot of that type stuff. It's not, okay, you're being chased through the desert by an enemy with su- superior firepower. How do you survive? Yeah. It's all, you know, assuming you're by yourself type yeah. things. And, you know, after this, um, after this incident with the Zindi, it, it changed Starfleet. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. With them taking this prisoner and essentially torturing him. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about Archer's technique here? He gives the guy four, he gives the guy, he gives the guy an ultimatum. You either tell us, what we want to know, or we'll kill you. I mean, it worked. It worked, but at the I, I feel like at a cost. I yeah, I think it hurt his relationship with his crew members, the ones at least that saw it. You yeah. know, Reed was was one in particular. I mean, and again, I think I think he's learning. I I, I think he's seeing where his own limits may go. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's losing his limits. Um, you know, in in terms of realizing how far he he is willing to go. To, to get revenge, to to get the people that did this to to Earth, to his people. Yeah. Um, and it's, like I said, I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be punished. They don't deserve um, some vindication there. But again, you you have to make sure that your, your crew, as captain of this ship, your crew are your top priority. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So you lost a crew member, and he's putting that on the Asarians. Which is which is accurate, but you know we're here because you're after revenge, so you kind of play a part in that. Yeah, yeah. In that loss. Yeah, absolutely. I think even if nobody, even if nobody had witnessed it, if it was just him, I think there was still a loss because oh, yeah. because Archer, a part of Archer is broken. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. But again, at the at the very end, he doesn't kill him. He doesn't even keep him. He sends yeah. him back to his people. Yeah. So uh, he's teetering. Yeah, absolutely. He so is, he is in a he is in a dangerous. And I think he sees place. that he yeah. sees he says that about himself too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Well, let's move into um uh, our section that we've uh sort of lovingly, <laughs> the lovingly in a way that only trekkers can <laughs> <laughs> refer to, uh the stats section uh. Of this show uh, that we call Who Do We Blame? Who Do We Blame? Uh, this episode was written by Mike Sussman. His last writing was on season two, episode 21, The Breach, and directed by David Strayden, whose last episode uh, directing was the very next episode, season two, episode 22, Cogenitor, which we saw is where Trip uh, makes some ill advised um, contact with. Uh, member of a species uh, ultimately resulting in that character's suicide oh yes yeah oh my gosh yeah that was that a, was sad that was a very rough episode to watch uh I'm not that far behind yeah you're yeah you're not too <laughs> far behind um the guest stars were a little light on the guest stars here but the main uh guest star of note is mr robert rustler 
playing the role of Orgoth. He's uh, another you character. You wouldn't recognize actor. him at all, of course. No, no. He looks more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, getting caught in some of those spatial anomalies, he alludes to the fact that the anomalies. Oh, did they change them? Yeah. It, oh, it I didn't hit, realize that. You know, getting hit with those anomalies actually, you know, sort Ooh. of tore part of their face. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not pretty. But uh, this uh, Robert Russell has been, uh, you know, working steadily working in the industry since uh, mid 80s. He's got credits on Weird Science 1985 and Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge the same year. And then uh, I love me some cheesy skateboarding movies. He was in 1986's Thrashin as Tommy Hook. Uh, Then he was in all 13 episodes of Outsiders and 22 episodes of 111 of Babylon 5 as Lieutenant Warren Keffer. And he was in the 1995 video game. This was kind of interesting. He was part of a video game called Wing Commander 4, The Price of Freedom, as a character named Seether. Uh, the game, you know, forgettable. But the cast, unforgettable. He, <laughs> he was in a cast that included Mark Hamill, Malcolm Ooh. McDowell, and John Reese Davies. Those are some heavy, <laughs> heavy hitters. Uh, that's a, not a bad thing to have on your resume. And then he was—he uh, played the role of a thug in 1996's *The Substitute*, starring Tom Berenger. Not even named. No, no, oh, didn't even catch a name in that one. No. Uh, and then uh, later, this is his only appearance in the franchise so far. But uh, he continued getting bit parts and one-off guest roles until his most recent credit. From October 2021, the Amazon original horror mystery film The Manor, starring Golden Globe winner Barbara Hershey and Star Trek alum Bruce Davison. Also, uh, he was also in uh, the first X, the first few X Men movies as Senator Robert Kelly. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this was a, this was a really interesting episode. I have one other thing here is you know they tried to introduce a lot of trying to get glimpses of different species throughout the Star Trek franchise. A lot of them were tried to, you know, they tried to get first looks, you know, maybe not a first contact, but maybe a first encounter with a species. The Osarians were initially meant to be the Orions, the Orions, the green skinned um, pirates and uh, sex slave traders. You know, this was this was essentially to be their origin story. Yeah. Um, which I think would have been really cool to kind of see, uh, knowing uh, how much of a role the Orions play, not only in Discovery, but also in uh, the original series. They make mm-hmm. quite a few appearances in both of those and uh, a few, you know, a few other appearances later down the line. But, uh, you know, someone... Uh, Someone squashed that idea and uh, they ended up, you know, going a different direction, you know, changing uh, Orion to Osarian. You know, it is what it is. But uh, so what did you think about this uh, about this episode overall? Would you uh, does it make you want to jump back in and keep watching? Yeah, I th- I I'm interested to see what happens with Archer. You know, I, I like I said, I kind of hope that he. At least doesn't put the crew. I'm worried he is going to put the crew in danger. Yeah. Um, or himself in more danger. He's always going to these missions and doing things on his own. And it's, you know, he's just, he's the guy. And oh, it's yeah. like, you're, you're also the captain and you're responsible for all these people. You guys, right. you keep yourself in line, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gung ho cowboy. Exactly. So, <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious about the expanse. Like, because um, they didn't—they didn't leave the expanse in this episode, did they? No, no, yeah, they're still it, in the expanse. Because I remember the Osarian saying that it's easy to get in; it's not so easy to get out. You yeah. know, unless again your ship is equipped pro- appropriately. So, right. Um, I'm curious to see what this expanse is. What what they're going to change with the ship, or need to change with the ship, and how they're going to work in this environment. Um, yeah. So yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a good episode. Now uh, we see, and we didn't mention this, um, you know, during our discussion of the, uh, you know, just after the recap, but uh, we see Trip um, continuing his sessions of pressure point therapy. Yeah. Uh, with T'Pol. Yeah. 
how do we feel about all this? You know, are we because uh, you are sort of getting into um, some alternative medicines, um, some more uh, herbal based natural remedies and uh, acupuncture. Yes. You, you do acupuncture quite regularly. I, how, how do we feel about what's going on I with trip? Have, I was scared to do acupuncture for years, but always curious about it. And yeah. then finally last year, 2021, uh, finally tried it for the first time to alleviate different different symptoms I've had, and I I fell in love with it. Like, take us into your experience with it. Like- yeah, um, just I, it's it's you you know talking about different you know issues that you're going on with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so many different pressure points in your body, especially in the ear, that relate to different organs, and wow. and you know it's just like it never would have thought that you know touch touch here and it it actually impacts somewhere else um wow um but it's 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 really cool because you know i talk about um i've got some getting old i've got some hip pain and it's hard for me to sleep at night because because they go to they go to sleep or you know um arms and legs go to sleep so you know they're they're just putting putting a bunch of needles in and and then I go to bed at night and I don't have that same pain and it's it's incredible you wow. know especially after going to chiropractors for years or massage for years or you know different different techniques and and it's just incredible to me that something like that can just alleviate you know in one session now, yeah I'm still going and I'm still it, it might come back or I might you know go go you know do something and screw something else <laughs> but <laughs> um you know relieve sinus pressure pressure relieves headaches and, oh my gosh and digestive issues all kinds of things so anyway and, and then it's just like people are so worried about the needles and like sitting there for a long time and I'm like, but you're kind of going into this meditative state at at the same time. So, you know, I don't feel the needles after they go in and, um, and just able to, to think and breathe and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's great. So, you know, thinking about the episode, I think the one thing I was, I get in a way, you know, those, those kind of sessions, anything like massage and acupuncture can, for a lot of people can feel uncomfortable because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're sitting there mostly naked on a table right? and, you know, you're exposed and you're telling someone all your, all your woes and might feel a little awkward, right? To, to some people that maybe aren't comfortable in those situations. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, even, even Flox said to him about, oh, it's, it's really intimate or, or. I don't know if he used the words. I don't know what you. I can't remember what word he used. Sensual or something like that. But right, there um, is a level of intimacy. Yeah, but but it made technique. it. It made it feel like it didn't. It, when I was first watching what she was doing, or, or and I know they got interrupted th- this particular episode. I think, um, but mm-hmm. except for the fact that she was wearing something that had a midriff to it, it's like, can't, don't you have a longer shirt? <laughs> um, but I was like, I don't. I don't feel like. It was that, you know, I felt like she was trying, she was trying to genuinely help him. Yeah. You know, it's not sexual. It's not, you know, anything like that. It's like, take, take those, it, it, healing can be intimate. Healing, healing is intimate. Yeah. You know, so it's just, but it's like, do it for the right reasons and, and, you know, be there for that moment. And yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think, well, I, <laughs> Uh, I don't think I'll ever forget, and I'm sure you won't let me forget. Um, I had never gone for a massage right. until we were together, and we started doing couples couples massages yeah. every now and then. Not yeah. not an all the time thing, but every now and then. And at the time, I was working third shift, mm-hmm. and I remember going in early in the morning yep. after my shift, and we went in for a couples massage. And then I remember hearing you say, <laughs> yes, he works third shift <laughs> and hearing both of the masseuses going, oh, oh. <laughs> because apparently, and I found this out later, not only had I fallen asleep, <laughs> but I had started snoring really loudly, really, really <laughs> loud. <laughs> Uh, it was yeah. adorable. But I, think, I mean, again, you know, that's one of those things is that's not uncommon. Yeah. Right. So it's just like sometimes people have. It's to, working. Right. It was right, working. Right. He's relaxed. <laughs> I'm so relaxed. He's so relaxed. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I, depending on how deep the massage is, I, it's, sometimes you're kind of surprised that someone could fall asleep because it's like, it can be painful. It can be, yeah. Um, trying to work out those, those muscle groups and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like, it, it, I think that's the, that's part of a lot of this that people just don't talk about some of this stuff. Mm. And when you realize, hey, it's okay. <laughs> it happens, yeah. you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah. So it's not. <laughs> It's not, you know, I think, because I think you had an issue in the beginning of like, who was going to, you know, be touching you. Right. I initially, I initially, because again, at the time, and you know, I've talked about it a couple of times on, on the show here. I come from a law enforcement background, which includes an uncomfortable uniform, a a duty belt with roughly 40 pounds worth of equipment, uncomfortable boots. We're talking eight, 10, 12 hours or more. At a time, you know, five days a week or more, you know, for that. And, um, you know, when we initially started doing um, couples massages, I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm going with my, at the time, I was going going with my girlfriend, but (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's kind of weird. I don't don't want a dude touching me or whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, all that stuff. But getting into it, you know, I was like, okay, just light, you know, just, you know relaxing massage and then realizing that that was doing nothing for me and i was like oh you know let's let's get a little heavier let's go a little deep tissue and whoever did it that first time just wow (laughs) boy it worked and yeah yeah, they were they were pretty rough with me so by the second or third time that we went for a massage they were like okay and who would you like i was like give me the biggest burliest (laughs) strongest person who's going to beat the crap out of me because that's what I need. Um, and it became, you know, all those uh, preconceived notions of mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want to get touched by a dude or, you know, I want it to be a girl for whatever reason. <laughs> all of that out the window. It's yep. just kind of like, hey, look, I need to get healed. And frankly, I don't care who's dealing out the healing <laughs> as long as they do it and do it well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... And we mentioned this at the top of the uh, at the top of the episode. This is our one year anniversary. anniversary. Here, here it is. We've made it. <laughs> you need another couple's massage. That's what we do. I know. On that, our anniversary. That's what we do. <laughs> but uh, so, are we doing flashback episode or oh, in in memoriam of any kind? Memoriam. <laughs> oh no, I, I can't take any more. Any, in any uh, favorite moments? You know, uh, you know, we've had so many great people on the show and just wonderful discussions and everything from very, uh, very funny, uh, poignant, uh, very, very funny, uh, just side splitting discussions <laughs> about the silliest things to very poignant discussions about religion and the meaning of life and yeah. what what is consciousness uh usually those conversations are with gary horn but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh you know i just i i'm just so grateful um to have survived this long uh with a star trek podcast because uh, folks if you're out there and you're just curious you know google search star trek podcasts you will find more podcasts than you know what to deal with. And especially now in the age of COVID, you know, when a lot of people's plans changed, a lot of them decided to start podcasts. Um, And many of those podcasts. You were one of them. (laughs) Yeah, I was one of them. Actually, I think you might have had this idea before, before COVID. Yeah, I did. But I, you know, didn't, I I didn't pull the trigger until, until COVID actually hit just because, you know, the timing was just exactly kind of perfect for it. Um, But it was, it was interesting. A lot of people started podcasts in the pandemic uh, and a lot of them were Star Trek podcasts. A lot of the folks that I've interacted with are in their first six months or their first year like me or in their first two years like uh red shirts podcast and it's been such an opening it's been such an open and welcoming community i feel very very lucky to have uh talked with the people i've talked with and had the conversations and interactions either on the show or through social media that um I, this has been this has been absolutely wonderful. It's been a really really great experience, and uh, just to let you guys know, here we are at the one year. We have done forty seven episodes. 
five bonus episodes with, as of this recording, just over 1,400 downloads from from over 30 countries around the world. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, those numbers- Hi, world. Yeah, hi, world. (laughs) Uh, It's very humbling. And I- I just wanted to say, I, you know, other than the folks in the credits at the end of every episode, I have a lot of people to thank. So if you guys will indulge me for just a minute here, um, big, big thank yous for our great, fantastic, wonderful first years. Uh, go to Britton and Bill Benton, cosplayer Andy Hawkman Holt. Jeremy Larson, a.k.a. Mad Riker, uh, graphic designer J. Chris Campbell, attorney Alex Kornfeld, tattoo artist Ren Marie Arrowwood, photographer and artist John Paul Newton, from Stone Grown Comedy, uh, my dear, dear funny friends, Adam Schulte, Queen Momo, Andy Cummins, and Robin Scott, and uh, the very kind and incredibly generous cast members of Star Trek, including the voice of the USS Protostar on Star Trek Prodigy, Miss Bonnie Gordon, and Lieutenant Weiss from Star Trek Voyager, and also uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4, Episode 21, The Drumhead. He is crewman, first class Simon Tarsus, Mr. Spencer Garrett. So, so many thanks uh, to both of you for coming on in our first year. Uh, my fellow Trekker podcasters, uh, I got to give some big thanks to them for coming on the show, interacting with me online, having me on their shows. Uh, it's been so much fun. So big, big thank yous to Adrian and Sophia from the Where's Beverly podcast, LT Lawrence Todd from Star Trek Talk Through Media podcast, Jerry Antamano from the Four Quadrants podcast, Wes Teasdale from the Penske File, Kevin from In Star Trek We Trust podcast, Jake Donaldson, Maddie Churchhouse, and Nathan Thomas, my uh, brothers and sisters from... Uh, other mothers and sisters uh, from the uh, Red Shirts podcast across the pond over there in the UK. Uh, Mr. Miles Griffin from the More You Nerd podcast. Uh, The wonderful, lovely and talented Mrs. Ren Sims for coming on uh, as much as she has (laughs) and and letting us uh, have fun uh, talking with her. And of course, my co-hosts, on uh, Cinema Shock, who have been on the show quite a few times, Mr. Gary Horn, Mr. Justin Bishop, and last <laughs> and certainly not least, the voice of the Computer Resume podcast, executive producer, my wife, Mrs. Cat Davis. I got an EP credit. Yep, you Dang. from that. That was <laughs> that was something I wanted to um, you know make official here. Uh, going forward with uh, the new season and going forward in the show, I want you listed. Um, well, that is going on my resume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, from now on, uh, you will be credited as executive producer, uh, Mrs. Cat Davis. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for enduring my crazy, uh, enduring my... Um, uh, my perfectionist uh, slash procrastinating nature of <laughs> it has to be a certain way and it has to be just right. Uh, and I'll get to it later. <laughs> uh, but I could not have done, I could, I couldn't have done any of this. I could not have done any of this if you weren't in my corner. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> um, I love you too. And uh, do you have any, do you have any other thoughts about, the first year of this show, you are now the executive producer of. <laughs> oh, gosh. If I'm the executive producer, we have to talk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Things um, are about to change on the Computer <laughs> Resume podcast. No, I'm very extremely proud of you for your first year. Um, I think you've done an amazing job. I think you've heard that from a lot of people. You're very thorough in your notes. You're very thorough in helping everyone feel at home on on the podcast um, that comes and, and joins you to, to nerd out about this series. And, and I hope that if anyone's um, listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, they're already a year in and, you know, you're just starting out with us, um, don't, you know, just join in. You know, it's, it's just, we're, we're just having fun. 
and having a good time. And if you get back, if you can catch up on anything, great. If that's too daunting, just like a lot of people think, you know, starting Star Trek from the beginning, chronologically, thought, that's daunting. Yeah. (laughs) That's absolutely bonkers. But that's exactly what Mr. Todd A. Davis decided to do. (laughs) And he's a year in. Yeah. Uh, we estimate 15 years. Roughly, but, yeah. But they're still making Star Trek today. Yes. Um, what, like at least three active series, four active series. Yeah. Plus movies. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. Comics. So. And other things as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> This could be like the retirement gig, at, you know, really. So yes. luckily he's still, still fairly young. Yes, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> I, I'm I'm on the I'm on the right side of forty, <laughs> so <laughs> for a little while longer at least. Right, right. So so no, but I am I'm extremely proud of you, and I I think that you. I can't wait to see what this new year comes. I can't wait to see you know. I can't wait to get to the next series of Star Trek too. Yeah. So so like getting into Discovery and and yeah. different stuff too, but. I mean, I'm I'm excited for you. I'm thank happy. You. Thank you so much. Happy for you. I'm happy. I'm happy for us. I'm happy for me too. And thank you. EP. 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 Cat Davis. Oh uh, well. Next week we will be joined by my friend, poet, comedian, Mr. Moody Black, to discuss Enterprise season three, episode three, Extinction, which was directed by Mr. Lavar Burton, and of course is available on Paramount Plus. Cat. What do you have going on that people can come and find you and support? What do you want to make people aware of? Where can people find you? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. That was a lot. Yeah. Um, Where? What? What are you into that people can follow along? Let's start there. Okay. Well, um, so I did start a new Instagram account, although I haven't done a whole lot with it yet. But um, it's called. It's at a worthy seed. Um, it's got some of my artwork on it um, that I've been doing. Um, been trying different work artwork, so that's why I haven't posted recently. I'm trying to get into some watercolors, but most of what's on there right now is my um, poor painting, fluid art, whatever you call it, uh, nice. uh, acrylics. Um, Gorgeous work. Yeah, thank you. Really, really great. Um, I like I like that technique because I feel like it the art. Um, the paint decides where to go. So I, I it's an interesting way to look. Yeah, at it. yeah I, yeah. I love playing with the colors and then, and then just kind of swirling things around, and it decides how it wants to look in the end. And I think, I think that's kind of a cool way to look at it. Nice. Um, I might lead a few things. Uh, there's a few of them that I might I'd led a certain way, but um, I think you've even seen a couple of my pieces that it was like, oh, it looks like there's two people in there, or that looks like a little ghost, or you know, different things that like pop out in the art that. That you know, it, I, I did not anticipate or or plan for it, but it it's just kind of cool that way. Yeah. Um. I I you occasionally ask people for a charity to pitch. Um. I I do, but you know, I don't I don't think I've had a lot of people take me up on it. I know, but I wish they I would kind of wish they would, or I I guess maybe that's I don't know. We're not having enough charities out there you know that we're working with um and i don't have a specific one but what i wanted to say is what we're when we're recording today it is the 100th birthday of uh miss betty white who Mm. we just recently lost r.i.p and she uh loved animals so much and one thing we didn't talk about with this episode was porthos Yep. <laughs> and how he was very concerned about the anomalies that were going on in on the ship and was like whining a bit. And Archer was so wrapped up in himself that he did not really com- comfort Porthos or, or manage that much, which upset me. I was like, where's Porthos? Is he okay? Because I have my sweet little Max right here snoring next to us, <laughs> <laughs> um, which we need to give him a credit about. <laughs> your guest star. Um, well, have his agent call my agent. Oh, okay. I'm we'll, sorry. We'll sorry. work something we'll, out. We'll do that. Um, but anyway, if you have a local humane society, uh, when this airs, I know it won't be um, Miss Betty White's birthday when this airs, but um, consider donating to them because um, the animals need us. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and instead of me giving... Um, 
my normal uh, my normal uh, internet handle to follow. I will uh, take a uh, cue from my wife and also pitch a uh, a charity for people to look into oh, and good. follow. Uh, years ago, my mother passed away from a disease called scleroderma, and um, it is a very rare and um, ultimately very painful uh, disease for the for the folks that have it. Um, one of the champions of uh, scleroderma research is uh, recently departed, uh, Mr. Bob Saget, a uh, comedic legend um, who you know uh, as a comedy. As a occasional comedy practitioner and uh, comedy student, I uh, you know that hit that hit pretty hard. And then, of course, you know because he was involved in uh, the research uh, for what you know my mom passed away from, what his sister passed away from, uh, it hit it hit a little bit harder. So, uh, folks, if you know if this show has meant anything to you, please. Take a few minutes and go to the Scleroderma Research Foundation. It's srfcure.org. That's s-r-f-c-u-r-e dot org. And just take a look at what they are doing. And, um, you know, every <laughs> at the risk of sounding like every other plea for funding that you've ever heard ever, any amount you give is is going to a really great cause and is it is worth every penny especially uh to the folks who have been affected um in their families by you know uh by scleroderma uh so again the scleroderma research foundation srfcure.org that's s r f c u r e.org and from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in 10 forward subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter and instagram the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop our outro music was provided with permission by drone node additional music was provided by mr todd a davis and gary horn and i'm cat davis at that dot darn dot cat with a k on instagram the computer resume podcast is part of the slice of fried gold network hashtag llap we'll see you next time going through a star trek we're doing star trek stuff in space we probably got some phasers and shuttle pods and we're gonna find a brand new race how's that for a slice of fried gold less than reputable means of survival Don't leave that in there. <laughs> Soon another vessel approaches Enterprise and a group of aliens beam on aboard. Take that again. Beam on aboard. I know. I don't know why I phrased it that way. <laughs> Thank you!